Well, Taiwan reported two local COVID infections on Thursday. One was a woman in her 70s, the head of a new Taipei preschool hit by a Delta outbreak. With this case, uh, there are now 33 cases linked to the preschool cluster. Also on Thursday, the CCC uh, had an update on an aircraft cabin cleaner who was confirmed as a Delta case the day before. It said that so far, 352 of the 386 contacts have tested negative for COVID. An investigation is underway to find the source of infection. From the various evidence we have, our preliminary assessment is that the infection source was in the environment she was cleaning. Of course, to make a final verdict, we need clearer proof. But so far, it doesn't look like we'll be listing her infection as having an unknown source. The cabin cleaner was vaccinated with one dose of AstraZeneca. The CCC says it will release more vaccines on September 18th for use as second doses for airport employees. Taoyuan Mayor Zhen Wenchan says a review will be conducted at the airport to improve its pandemic protocols. So good news for people waiting on their second dose of Moderna. The CCC says it will release Moderna to people aged 75 and up who have been waiting at least 10 weeks for their second shot. Not only that, new shipments are due shortly. The CCC says more than one million Moderna doses will come on Friday. At this vaccination site, many older adults have turned up for their second shot of AstraZeneca, which is currently being administered nationwide. AstraZeneca is being administered in Taiwan's eighth round of vaccinations. As you can see, lots of people line up here every day to get their vaccine. Second shots of AstraZeneca are going in arms. Soon, second shots of Moderna will also roll out. On September 17th, we will begin distributing the next batch of Moderna. This will be administered as second shots to people who got their first shot before July 9th, which is more than 10 weeks ago, and who are also at least 75 years old. The health bureaus of local governments will make arrangements for vaccine administration at medical institutions or other vaccination clinics. Recipients will be called up by their local health authority. In addition, there will be a seventh shipment of Moderna. It's 1.08 million doses ordered from the manufacturer, and it will arrive quite late in the day on September 17th. The CECC said Taiwan will conduct the world's first vaccine mixing trial involving an mRNA vaccine and a protein subunit vaccine, specifically Moderna and Medigen. If successful, it would open up new possibilities in vaccine administration. Theoretically, mixing Moderna and Medigen is feasible, and it's being studied. Once there are results on that, we will discuss the matter with experts before making a decision on vaccine administration. We don't necessarily need to wait for research overseas to evaluate the mixing of mRNA vaccines and protein subunit vaccines. If Taiwan waited every time, it would never find itself at the front. These are two different kinds of vaccine platforms. However, both of them are tech transfers from the U.S. National Institutes of Health. That is, the mRNA that encodes the S protein and the protein subunit are tech transfers. So, of course, there is a chance of success. 
The vaccine mixing trial hasn't started yet, but already media personality Zhao Shaokang has slammed it on social media. He said the three million people waiting for Moderna dose two would not consent to being given Medigen instead. If the CECC says it's safe and they make that an option, then I would be okay with it. Me personally, I'd wait and see. I'd wait to see if problems arise from vaccine mixing before making a decision. Reacting to the option of Medigen, people on the streets said they'll wait for more data to come to light before making a decision. Local leaders in Elon have lodged a petition to change the site of a planned high-speed rail uh, terminal station. In their petition, they objected to the site proposed by the central government. This proposed site is Sutsun Railway Station, which is in the tourist town of Jiaoshi Township. Although building the HSR station at Sutsun would be cheaper, local representatives want to build the stop within Elon City itself. They contend that a stop in the city area would be more useful to travelers and it would have a lighter environmental impact. The leader of Elon County Council appeared at the Legislative Yuan on Thursday. He delivered a petition on the Elon high-speed rail project to the hands of Legislative Speaker Yoshi Kun, an Elon native himself. Elon City is an extremely suitable place. Elon Railway Station has a long history. Last year, the government approved a plan to extend the high-speed rail system to Elon, but views remain divided on where to build the terminal station. The ministry initially considered four locations, the Sichuan, Yilan, Yilan County Government and Luodong TRA stations. Although its panel of experts recommended Yilan City, the ministry said in August that it would prioritize Sichuan Station. The announcement triggered a backlash in the county. It's rare for all of Yilan County to unite over something. Now, the county council and the representatives of all the townships, towns and cities, more than two-thirds of them have signed the petition. I offered my opinion, which is that so many people from across party lines in Yilan County and all sorts of civil groups oppose building the station in Sicheng. The petition truly reflects public opinion. With opposition flaring up against the Sichuan terminal, Transport Minister Wang Guocai said the proposal had not yet been finalized. From beginning to end, there have been different considerations at different points in time, so further discussion may be needed on the project, which has not yet been finalized. We want to discuss the matter with experts and build the station where the people of Elon want it to be, so it can't be said that there have been huge changes to the plans, because no plan has been finalized. I hope the executive yuan will give it careful consideration. The transport ministry said it would consult public opinion to make a move in the best interests of Elon. China is lobbying for entry to the trade bloc known as the CPTPP, or the Comprehensive and Progressive Agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership. So far this year, it's reached out to member nations including New Zealand and Australia, asking for talks and making its case for inclusion. On Thursday, a DPP lawmaker said that Taiwan needs to speed up its own efforts to join the CPTPP. He said that if China joins first, it would create obstacles for Taiwan's membership. If China joins the CPTPP and becomes the largest economy in the CPTPP, it would have a leading role in future trade and investment. 
Economically, Taiwan would become even more marginalized in the Asia-Pacific and the international markets. This year, Japan holds the position of the CPTPP's rotating chair. With Taiwan-Japan relations so friendly, Japan should accept Taiwan's application. If it doesn't happen this year, next year the chair will rotate to Singapore, and there will be lots of uncertain variables. The UK has applied to join, but because no country has applied before, the UK is still feeling its way. We are closely watching the UK to understand its approach. In the future, we will adopt the British approach and utilize the channels it used. According to a Japanese diplomat cited by the Financial Times, Japan is eager to help Taiwan enter the bloc. But so far, Taiwan has yet to formally request membership. The source said the application process could take one year or more, and that it may be already too late for Japan to bring Taiwan in. Well, it's nearly mid-autumn festival, the season of the pomelo. Lots of us will be feasting on the citrus fruit in the coming weeks. Its sweet, sour, juicy delights are a seasonal tradition. But did you know it can be bad for your health? We spoke to a nutritionist about when to refrain. Pomelos are a symbol of mid-autumn festival. These fruits on the table are a nostalgic fall tradition. The sound of the pomelo being peeled and its lustrous pink gold fruit are very tempting. But this nutritionist advises viewers with kidney problems to think twice. Pomelos are rich in potassium, which can be risky. Generally, if your electrolytes are abnormal and potassium ions excessive, that can cause your heart rate to jump or palpitations. If your kidney function is impaired or you're on dialysis, electrolytes can tend to be off and potassium ion levels high, so you have to be appropriate in your intake. That's not all. Pomelos are high in vitamin C and fiber, but for folks with digestive issues, try to be moderate. Anyone taking drugs to lower blood lipids or blood pressure or sleeping pills or the like should consult their doctor about pomelos too. It makes these drugs maintain a certain consistency in the blood or increases the effectiveness at the thickness it's at. So if you want to eat pomelos while taking these drugs but could interact with them, I recommend consulting a doctor. Pomelos are very nutritious fruits. Some people have even turned them into smoothies or juices, but apparently that's not a great idea either. Pomelos are a fruit, and actually we generally don't recommend juicing them. 240 milliliters might contain 3 to 4 portions of fruit, but you wouldn't be able to only drink 240 milliliters of fruit juice. So basically, we're concerned about overconsumption. Peeling pomelos is a labor of love, but if you get one, just eat it as it comes, says this nutritionist. Or you could use the peel to freshen up your home and neutralize odors. Foreign Minister Joseph Wu is back from a visit to Washington where he met with top U.S. officials. Sources say that one item on his agenda was adding the word Taiwan to the name of Taiwan's representative office. Speaking virtually at a forum on Wednesday, Wu said that Beijing uses the issue of Taiwan's name to assert sovereignty over the island. He said that fortunately for Taiwan, it has friends in Washington who understand the strategic importance of calling Taiwan by its real name. In related news, Lithuania's foreign minister went on his own visit to Washington this week. Lithuania has faced strong pressure from Beijing uh, ever since allowing Taiwan to open an office in its own name. On Wednesday, Biden's top diplomat said the U.S. would stand behind Lithuania in the face of China's threats.
Earlier this year, Lithuania infuriated China by giving Taiwan approval to set up a representative office under its own name. Countries around the world responded with an outpouring of support for the Baltic state. On Wednesday, Lithuania's foreign minister held talks with US Secretary of State Antony Blinken in Washington. Blinken pledged to support Lithuania in face of China's threats. Lithuania and the United States are very strong partners in NATO. We stand together collective defense and security. Uh, we stand against uh, economic uh, coercion, including that uh, being exerted uh, by China. Uh, and we stand strongly for, uh, for democracy. The two officials did not bring up Taiwan directly during their talks, but the U.S. made its views clear in other ways. <laughs> National Security Council head Wellington Koo and Foreign Minister Joseph Wu recently returned to Taiwan after a visit to the U.S. They held high-level talks with U.S. officials and discussed the possibility of renaming Taiwan's de facto embassy to Taiwan Representative Office. On Wednesday, Wu spoke at a symposium held by a U.S. think tank. He said the U.S. acknowledged the importance of referring to Taiwan by its true name. When we say we want to use our real name, Beijing calls it a provocation and threatens war or retaliation. Fortunately, we have good friends in D.C. who know the strategic importance for Taiwan to be called Taiwan. I want to take this opportunity to say Thank you. European nations have also pushed back at Beijing, throwing their support behind Lithuania and Taiwan. The Prime Minister of Slovenia, which currently holds the presidency of the European Council, recently sent a letter on the issue to the heads of every EU member state. In the letter, he said Lithuania and all EU members had every right to develop relations with Taiwan. Even as the EU abides by its one-China policy, Taiwan remains an important partner of the EU, he said. He also called on member states to stay united to show China that the EU would not allow threats to any one of its members. Anti-landing exercises were conducted at multiple locations across Taiwan on Thursday during the annual Hanguang War Games. Beating back a beach landing is a vital part of island defense in the event of a Chinese attack. In Pingdong, Tainan and Hualien, cannons rang out throughout the day as soldiers conducted live fire combat drills. On day four of the Hanguang War Games, the armed forces conducted joint anti-landing exercises nationwide. At Pingdong's Manfeng training range, bursts of artillery rang out during combat drills. Ground troops stand ready for battle, with 50 self-propelled artillery and howitzers lined up against the mock enemy. Their artillery included the M110 and M109, as well as the 155mm howitzer system. During the anti-landing exercise, soldiers beat back an enemy force that surfaced 7 kilometers off the coast. Artillery crew occupied positions surrounding Fungang village to block an enemy crossing. They launched various munitions to engage the invaders on the open sea. Over in Tainan, soldiers concealed Shishu Beach in a smokescreen operation. At Hualien County's Beipu Beach, another anti-landing combat drill. 80 troops with four M60A3 patent tanks and two armored personnel carriers maneuvered undercover. The Army's 601st Aviation Brigade deployed Apache helicopters in support. 
The day before, President Tsai Ing-wen went down to Pingdong County to inspect an emergency landing drill. During a briefing at the site, she was shown photographs of a Chinese H-6 bomber. The presidential office said later that the photos were taken by a Taiwanese F-16 at a distance of five kilometers during an interception. It said the F-16 was able to capture close-ups of the aircraft and its weapon mounts. Well, Louisa Coffee is about to debut on Taiwan's capital market. Shares will begin trade on the emerging stock board on Friday. The Taiwanese coffee chain uh, priced its initial offering at 118 NT dollars a share. It posted revenue of 1.97 billion NT dollars in 2020, with 158 million NT dollars in net profit after tax. That represents a yearly increase of 14 percent. The Louisa brand was founded by Huang Mingxian in March 2006. In May 2007, Louisa Coffee opened its first store at Taipei's Songsan District. The brand began franchising operations in 2012. Today, it has 524 stores nationwide, which makes it bigger than Starbucks. In 2020, it achieved a gross profit margin of 53%, surpassing the average coffee chain. Following a cluster of COVID-19 cases in Panjiao District, New Taipei, hundreds of people have been forced into quarantine facilities. And that includes many young children, including some from a local preschool. The city government has stepped up to provide new toys to ease the friction of two weeks stuck indoors. A child smiles at the camera and clutches a new toy. Train sets and paint sets and figurines lie all around. As soon as the photo is taken, the boxes are shredded and playtime begins. Another child leans over a track, eyes shut. They fell asleep mid-play. These brand new toys have all been given to local kids by New Taipei City's Social Welfare Department in an effort to ease the frustration of a spell in a quarantine hotel. I'm grateful there are so many manufacturers who've donated us toys that perhaps have minor flaws or just toys from their stock houses. Brand new toys like these are really easy to give away. Parents send us back photos of their kids getting them, and the parents are delighted. They say it makes them cry to get such wonderful toys. All toys are checked carefully before being given away. Colored markers are taken out and given a test run to make sure they're not dry. Batteries are tested too. The train set is a perennial favorite. They're put in bags and a card is attached. Each bundle has at least three toys inside. Sets of toys have been given to 166 children so far. One mother shared a video of her child and dad showing you how to put the toys together. They couldn't stop playing until 11 p.m., she says. They are separated into 0 to 2 years old, 3 to 6 years old, and elementary age. We pick the toys that are most appropriate for them. A little package like this can tide you over for two weeks or so of isolation. You need things that can be played with for a long time. So we deliberately chose things that you can operate somehow, that stimulate the intellect, and that keep your hands busy. With such a cornucopia of toys available, organizers do their best to select toys that will be just right for the age of the child receiving them. If they hit the mark, those two weeks' isolation could be a happy memory for life. The National Theatre and Concert Hall is preparing to launch the first edition of Artquake in Autumn, 
a festival featuring theater performances, podcasts, and forums. The theme for its inaugural edition is Equality for All Voices and will comprise works touching on topics as diverse as AI uncanniness, cyberbullying, and gambling. Organizers hope the festival will promote dialogue in society and stimulate reflection on social issues. Let's take a look at some of the highlights. The National Theatre and Concert Hall is launching its first ever Artquake in Autumn, an arts festival showcasing performances centering on social issues. For its debut edition, seven artist groups will take the stage. The Japanese roboticist Masahiro Mori calls the scale of variation whereby a robot resembles a human, but not enough, therefore causing aversion and alienation. One of them is a Rimini Protocol Theatre troupe, which will stage a play titled Uncanny Valley. The main character of the show is an animatronic replica of the playwright. The story aims to get audiences to reflect on the rise of AI technology as well as competition and cooperation between robots and humans. The main goal of this performance is not to show the danger of technology, I would say. It's more a portrayal of what happens with ourselves when we're trying to copy ourselves. Meanwhile, Riverbed Theatre is playing The Forgotten, a play in memory of the 274 coal miners that died in tragic accidents in Taiwan in 1984. So many stories, so many lives have been forgotten. While we were preparing for the play, we went to many mines to do a lot of field work. The seven performances delve into a variety of social issues, including gambling, AI, political power, and cyberbullying. Alongside the performances, the festival will also feature podcasts and forums on the side. Earthquake in Autumn will kick off on October 14th and run through December 5th. Organizers and artists hope the entertaining agenda will raise awareness of pressing social issues. For Mosa News, Stephanie Yang, Huang Hongyu in Taipei.